This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Good morning. Welcome, it's great to see you. My name's Graham, I lead the team that leads Jubilee Church. It's great to have you with us this morning. Great to see you here on this wonderful summer day. So who of you watched the uh, opening ceremony then? You see, it's tremendous, isn't it? One amazing, amazing evening really. I didn't see all of it, I saw the vast majority of it though, and uh, was watching it and chatting to one or two friends on Twitter at the same time, and we were commenting on the amount of Christian content in it, and uh, it was fantastic to see, actually, and I think one of the most striking moments was the hymn, Abide With Me, being sung, wasn't it? I mean, there are many fantastic moments of the evening, it was a, a, great, a great spectacle, quite tremendous, um, but really, that, that, that hymn, Abide With Me, and it's got a line... In it, uh, one of the verses finishes this line, O thou who changest not, abide with me. And to hear that sung out over the stadium and uh, to an estimated worldwide audience of around about, well, I think one billion, was it? Something like that. I think they estimated it out. was quite tremendous. But it's true, isn't it? And that is the God this morning that we worship. He changes not. And as we've already uh, mentioned in our worship time this morning, he wants to abide with you. He wants a relationship with you. And uh, it's wonderful to be able to celebrate that this morning, to sing of that, and to thank God for that, and uh, to thank him for that privilege we have of worshipping him, and uh, to hear that hymn being sung out in the opening ceremony thinking, yeah, I know, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's not just a nice song. There's deep biblical truth in it. And uh, it's wonderful to celebrate in that context as well. For those of you who know Jules, who's part of Jubilee, she's uh, working at the Olympics at the moment. We saw her yesterday when we were down there. Uh, she was involved in the ceremony on Friday as well. Uh, She's good, in good spirits, pretty tired, but uh, doing well and enjoying her time uh, working down at the games. So it was good to catch up with her yesterday. The one other notice to mention, uh, just to flag up at this point, is that in September we'll be starting a new Alpha course. And Alpha is a great introduction to the Christian faith. And uh, maybe if you've got a friend who'd like to know a little bit more about what it is uh, to be a Christian, what all this is about, what it is, uh, what did Jesus say, what does he mean, what's the, what does the, you know, is the Bible true even? These are the questions that people might have. Alpha is a great short introduction to some of those things. Uh, maybe it's for you or maybe for a friend of yours. Then uh, we'll be launching that in September and I want to encourage you to be praying now about who you might invite to the introduction evening, the Alpha Supper evening in September. More details to follow very soon. But do be thinking about that now, who you might want to invite to that. Uh, maybe a friend of yours, or maybe even yourself. You're thinking, yeah, I'd like to know a bit more. Then Alpha is a great opportunity to discover some more 
and uh, that will be starting in September. We trust that will uh, serve you and we trust many others well as well. Okay, if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 5, please. Kevin said recently, just in the last couple of weeks, as he was preaching, that I'd said to him, Kevin, we need to pick up pace. Okay, we're not going fast enough through Luke. We're going to, you know, I'm going to still be doing this when I'm 60. We've only got to the end of it. And just in case you're not sure, that's a long way away. Okay? Um, and I was saying to him, uh, when we met recently, we've got to pick up pace a little bit and uh, keep going with Luke. And so to help us do that this morning, I'm going to go backwards and look at a passage we looked at a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I haven't expected to do that, particularly, um, but I did feel recently that there was a verse that we referred to, that we looked at, um, that we sort of glided over, if you like. And um, I noticed it. And something about it was bugging me. Have you ever had that? Have you ever read something in the Bible and it's like God highlights something to you and you can't get it out of your mind. You think, God, what are you saying here? That was happening over this verse. And I began to pray about it. I talked to one or two friends about it and realized that God was highlighting something to me that I felt we should go back and look at again this morning. It's something I needed to preach into. And so um, whilst I'm being disobedient to what I said to Kevin and saying, come on, we've got to pick up pace here. I I do feel I'm being obedient to the Spirit. And I I feel it's the right thing for us to do as we look at this verse together. So if you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 5 is uh, is where we are. And um, it's actually just one verse that we're going to look at this morning. We read it a few weeks ago. Let me read it again. It's verse 17 of uh, Luke chapter 5. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Let's be clear, Luke's teaching about, speaking about Jesus here, so we can read it as one day where as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So the context is Jesus is teaching, (coughs) he's preaching, and we've already seen in what we've looked at in Luke, many people are being wonderfully healed. And there are some great accounts of God's power breaking in and people being miraculously healed. And Luke says in this little verse, who says, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. And I was reading that thinking, what does that mean? When I first read it, I wondered, well, does it mean that sometimes the presence of the Lord was not there? The power of the Lord was not there for him to heal the sick. Is that what Luke's saying? It could do, but I think it means much more than that. I think it means something that's important for us to see this morning. And that's what I want to explore. Okay, So it's not often I'd preach just on one verse, or in this case it's just one part of one verse. It doesn't help us pick up pace here. But as I said, I think it's important for us to understand this. I'm trusting in trying to be obedient to the Spirit, that what we look at this morning will help us and serve us and indeed challenge us 
and help us to grow in Jesus. Is that okay? So why don't we pray and uh, then we'll get into these, into these, these verses. It's not this verse together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. And I want to pray now that you would be our teacher, please. God, as I try and be obedient to your prompting this morning, I pray that you would help me to communicate well. Help us, Lord, to hear what you want to say to us this morning. God, would you be our teacher? Help us to understand what we read in your word. Come and apply it by your spirit to our lives. Come and teach us, provoke us, challenge us and grow us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, first question then, is Jesus here, is he God or man? The answer, in case you're wondering, is yes. It's true, isn't it? Is he God or man? Yes, is the answer. Because Jesus is God and man. So, a quick lesson in Christology here, bear with me, but this is worth us understanding well. Wayne Grudem in his book, Systematic Theology, says this. He says, We may summarise the biblical teaching about the person of Christ as follows. Whenever Wayne Grudem says we're going to summarise it, that's good. Okay, because there'll be pages of this. And then he says, we'll summarise it. And that's the point you need to understand. So, he says this, We may summarise the biblical teaching about the person of Christ as follows. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man, in one person, and will be so forever. Amen. I hope hoping we get an amen or something there. Thank you very much. Jesus Christ, I'll give you another chance, was fully God and fully man in one person and will be so forever. Amen. So, was Jesus God or man? Yes. Fully God and fully man. Okay, so when Jesus was on earth, and we read about his time uh, teaching and preaching here in, uh, in Luke, as in the other Gospels, so when Jesus was here doing that, teaching, healing, delivering, was he God or man? Yes, he's God and man. But when he taught, was he teaching as a man empowered by God? Or was God himself? When when he healed, was he being God? Or was he being a man empowered by God to heal? You see, Jesus was clear about this. Jesus said this in in John chapter 5. He said, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. So Jesus is clear, he's not operating independently here. He's only doing what he sees his Father doing. He's being led by his Father in heaven. And in fact, all that Jesus did on earth as fully man and fully God, all that he did was being led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. As it's important we understand this, let's look at some more scripture to help us in this journey. You see, time and again in scripture, you see that Jesus was anointed, he was empowered by, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, 
And this is what provides the power for his ministry. So in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, we see the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then the beginning of Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. So Jesus is responding to the Spirit here. He's being led by the Holy Spirit. In verse 14 of Luke 4, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. If we jumped forward to Luke chapter um, Luke chapter 5. We see in this verse that we've read already, what does it say again? It says that the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Now, you see, suddenly I saw this afresh. As I was praying about this, as I was sort of mulling over this verse that was bugging me a bit, and thinking, Lord, what are you saying here? I realised that Jesus wasn't healing by virtue of him being fully God, although he was and is, but rather he was healing by virtue of him being full of the Spirit. Now let's be clear, I'm not denying Christ's deity, okay? So don't hold me up as a heretic for something I'm not saying. Okay, we're not saying that because he was, he is fully God as well as fully man. But his ministry here is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's important we see this because when Jesus says this, in John 14, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. He's not setting us up to fail. He's setting us up to succeed. Because, because Jesus is operating in the power of the Spirit, that means that you and I can operate in the power of the Spirit as well. Do you see? So when he says, you know, Jesus says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. He means it. And he goes on there in, in John 14, and Jesus says, that happens because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus says this. He sets us up to succeed, not to fail. And he says it's going to happen because he is going to the Father. That's part of the same phrase, isn't it? Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So what's that about? Why was Jesus saying that that was important? that he would have to go to the Father. Well, he goes on to explain in the next couple of verses. It's John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. 
Jesus makes this promise because he's going to send the Spirit. And that's going to happen once he goes to the Father. So John 16, verse 7 says this. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The ESV version uh, puts it like this, John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, Jesus says, that I go away. For if I do not go, the Helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus makes it clear, it's to our benefit, it's to our advantage that he goes. He returns to his father. Now, I I can imagine the disciples thinking Jesus is slightly crazy at this point. Because they've been spending time with him. They've been seeing Jesus preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick, do all these wonderful things. And Jesus says to them, guys, it's to your advantage that I go. You know, it's for your betterment that, that I go. It's for your good that I, I go. They're going to stand there thinking, Lord, what do you mean it's for our good that you go? How can it be better that you go rather than you're around? How can it be for our good that you go? Jesus says it's for our good because if he goes, he can then send the Spirit. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to his followers. It's very, very clear. Time and again, in Scripture you see Jesus promising the Spirit. So, Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. So Jesus is promising power here to his followers when? When the Holy Spirit comes. And this, this is just before he's taken back into heaven. After he said this, next verse, who was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. It's interesting, isn't it? Right in the promise there of the Holy Spirit, there's a sense of mission of going, of telling others. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so you can feel good on a Sunday morning. He doesn't say, no, it's just so you can feel nice. Yes, the Holy Spirit is our seal, our guarantee, our deposit. It's him that draws us to the Father. We know that we're safe because of his work in our lives. Yes, that's important and true, but it's with a purpose. The purpose is going. The purpose is telling others. You're going, to re- you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth, Jesus says. And always in that context of going and telling others, there's the context of, uh, of preaching the kingdom of God and healing the sick. They're speaking about the kingdom of God and demonstrating it. The two always go together in Scripture. So often the modern church divorces the two. Actually, in Scripture, you always see those things together. So, Jesus promises the Spirit here. So, that means we receive the same power. The same power that Jesus has been operating in the power of the Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Spirit to you. So that you can be my witnesses. 
so that you can do the things that I've been doing. So when the Spirit comes, we receive that same power, exactly the same power that Jesus was operating in. And so when Jesus says, you're going to do these things, even greater things, it's actually a perfectly reasonable thing for him to say. Because he understands what's going to happen. He's going to send the Spirit. And he knows that it's in the power of the Spirit that we'll be able to do those things. You see, you can live a supernatural life not by trying harder or working at it or you know, getting all your theology correct. Although it's good to do that. But it's by receiving the Spirit. It's by understanding God's work in your life. Receiving the Spirit, just as Jesus lived by the Spirit. John the Baptist promised him, didn't he? He promised the Spirit. He said, I baptize you with water, John the Baptist said, but he, talking about Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, verse 8. And Jesus promised that this was going to happen. If you've been around Jubilee for any length of time, you have heard me preach, I'm sure, from John chapter 7, where Jesus stands up on the last and greatest day of the feast and says this in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Time and again, Scripture ties this together. Jesus being glorified, returning to the Father, sending the Spirit, power coming upon his followers. And if you know your Bible, you'll know that time and again, flowing water is used as a picture of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. It's interesting, if you'd gone to Jesus at that point, just after Jesus had said this and said, okay, can I have this living water you speak of? I, I, I want this. What would Jesus have said? He would have said, wait, at that moment. But it's coming soon. Whereas if you and I go to Jesus now and say, Lord, we want that spirit. We want that living water. We want to be able to do the things that you did. Jesus would say, not wait, but receive. Receive. So, John 16, verse 7. Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Jesus promises here to send someone. It's not just an impersonal force, but rather the person of the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament looked forward to this time. Jesus talked about this time. The Father promised it. And we see at the beginning of the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit was very first poured out upon the early disciples there. But Jesus makes it clear. It's with purpose and there's power. 
two things go together here. There's purpose to the Holy Spirit coming, so mission, for demonstrating and preaching the kingdom of God, and there is power to be able to do the things that Jesus had been doing. So Jesus uses this phrase, you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So the same idea that um, people may have of water baptism, they're being totally immersed by it in water. It's the same idea, being totally immersed in the power of God, the Holy Spirit coming. Why? In order that you might do the things that Jesus did. In order that you might fulfil what Jesus has got for you to fulfil. In order that you might be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Our equivalent of that is saying you might be his witnesses in Derby, Derbyshire, Nottingham, and to the ends of the earth. It is, isn't it? That's what Jesus is saying here. But what we need to understand is this. It's for now. It's not for a future time. It's not for a time that is far off and yet to come. So the disciples were really looking forward to something. Think, oh, this is going to happen in the future. Not a long time to wait for them, but they would need to wait. For us, this is now. You see, Jesus healed and taught by the power of the Spirit. He was led by the Father, did what he saw his Father doing, and taught and healed in the power of the Spirit. He commands his disciples, and that includes you and I, to do the things that he's been doing. To preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. And you think, but Lord, how can we do that? We're not you. (laughs) How can we do that? What does Jesus say? He says, I'm going to send the Spirit. That's his answer, isn't it? How are you going to do it otherwise? Can we do it in our own strength? I mean, never mind healing the sick and preaching the the gospel. Just living for Jesus is hard enough in your own strength, isn't it? Have any of you tried that? I tried that for a long time. It was pretty hard work. I didn't get very far. Maybe, Maybe you've tried it. It's not much fun, is it? It's just, you know, it's, you think, oh, this is just hard work. It's not only happening. Surely the Christian life is not going to be like this. And no, it isn't. Why? Because you're going to live the Christian life in the power of the Spirit. Aren't you? That's what Jesus intends you to do. So Jesus healed and taught by the power of the Spirit. He tells us to do the same things that he did to believe him for that and even greater things than, than these. Why? Why does he say that? Because he knows he's going to send the Spirit. And he did. And he has. And friends, this morning, what I want to urge us to believe God for is a fresh impartation of the Spirit. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, in a church like this, there are probably moments you can look back on and think, Ah, oh, yes, there's a particular occasion there where I received the Spirit. There's a particular point in time where I, I felt God's presence, maybe, or, or God came to me. I can think of moments like that. Maybe it was a big conference you were at. Maybe you went forward at a meeting, someone prayed for you, and, and you felt the presence of God. Those things are good. It's good that we've got those times to look back on and think, oh yeah, I know God met me there. For some of us, there have been significant moments like that 
where God has met us powerfully and we think, yeah, God spoke there or he touched my life. He, he filled me with power and his spirit. I, I know when that was. I've got moments like that. I can look back on and say, yeah, I know when that was. I can think of the very first moment like that where I, I felt God's presence in such a tangible and powerful way. In the summer of 1994. I was very young then. And lots of times since. But what God wants for us is not just to be looking back to particular moments in time, but rather on a daily basis to be living in the good of and in the power of the Spirit. It's not that we might just look back and say, oh yeah, it was then that I felt God's presence and his power. Good though that is, and those times are great to look back on, but rather God wants you to experience his power on a daily basis, even moment by moment. Because we're not going to live our lives in the good of what happened way back then. That's an encouragement to us, and it's good to look back and celebrate and thank God for. But what's going to help me living for God today is a fresh encounter with God today. What's going to help me speaking to somebody about Jesus tomorrow is meeting with Jesus tomorrow. What's going to help me when I come across somebody who's sick during the week to have faith to lay hands on them and pray for them is having encountered God during the week and being led by and filled with the Holy Spirit. So, friends, this morning I want us to Worship Jesus in a moment. That's the bank and come back, please. That would be really good. I want us to expect God to come. And I for some of you, that you might be, have the opportunity to experience God for perhaps the first time, and, and that's fine. For some of you, it might be afresh. But even in doing this, I'm slightly hesitant because I'm thinking, oh, well, is it just about a Sunday morning thing? We need to understand it isn't just about a Sunday morning thing. This is about a daily living in the good of being led by, totally filled with and flooded by the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus says, you'll do these things, and even greater things than these, he's not setting you up to fail. He's setting you up to succeed. Because Jesus was doing those things in the same way that he wants you and I to, through the power of the Spirit. So let's stand. I'm going to pray, and we're going to worship Jesus, and we're going to receive the Spirit. Lord Jesus, some of these things we've looked at this morning are hard to understand. We can't really get our minds around the thought that you're fully God and fully man at the same time. How can that be? Surely it was one or the other. And if we ask the question, was it one or the other, you say yes. Lord, our minds are finite. They're, we cannot comprehend things of God. But Lord, we've done our best this morning at understanding the truth of your words. And Lord, we want to respond to you now and say, well, Lord Jesus, if you did those things that you did by the power of the Spirit, 
And if you said to us that we should do those things too, and indeed greater things, and you said to us that we should receive the Spirit, then that's what we want to do. And Father, if our current experience doesn't match up to that, we don't want to just believe our current experience. But Lord, we want to come back to your word and say, what does your word say? What have you said in the Bible? What do we believe to be true? And Lord, even if our minds struggle to comprehend it, and they do, Father, we want to believe what you've said because we want to follow you. Lord, this is not about following some crazy teaching or some good idea even, but Lord, this is about reading your words, understanding what you've said to us, and then living in the good of it. And so this morning, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to understand what we've heard from your word and to live in the good of it. And Lord, thank you that you operated. You were anointed by, filled with the Holy Spirit. And you promised that you would send the Spirit to us. And so this morning we want to receive, Lord. And we want to believe you that we might do the things, the things that you are doing and even greater things than those because you're being led by the Spirit. <clears throat> and so we invite you to come, Lord. Come and empower us. Come and flood us afresh. Lord, we want to receive you. Receive all that you've had all that you have for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for times past and we have met you. We thank you for occasions we can look back on and say, yeah, I remember that meeting. I met with Jesus there. He revealed something of his love to me, his power to me, his grace to me. Lord, we thank you for those times. But Lord, we don't want to just be looking back. We want to receive you even now. And Lord, not even just today, but daily, Lord. <laughs> we want to receive you daily, being led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit daily, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. Would you come and empower us now? Let's just tell the Lord we love him. Let's ask him to come and empower you now. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.